You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our series in the history of LCMS Black Ministry. Today, we'll take a look at the next 50 years of Black Ministry in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Mrs. Cherie Laurent Blair. She has a family history in LCMS Black Ministry to share with us today. Cherie, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your family's story and your family's involvement in the Lutheran Church. My father's family is from Louisiana. One of his uncles, Pastor Reverend Calvin Thompson, the late Calvin Thompson, had gone to New Orleans and heard this minister speak because the family was all Catholic. I heard this dynamic minister speak, invited him to come up to Marksville. He spoke. All the family members were impressed. And to make a long story short, we have a family church, St. Paul. And out of that little church, there were 13 Lutheran ministers. Yes, 13. And one is, a, is he's not a Thompson, he's not a Robinson, he's not a Layman, he's not a Laurent, but his, one of his relatives was a Thompson. So with all, I mean, a little bitty church, little, little white church with a little school on the side, the 13 ministers that came out of that one little church. And if you've seen, you know, I know the Lutheran Witness had it at one point, and I think somebody else published it. There's a photo of maybe 12 or 13 men standing together, like on the porch. That's the photo of all the ministers that came from that one little church. And unfortunately, my father was the last one. He he left us in 2015. But that's my father's side of the family. Granddaddy Thompson was the patriarch of the family. So any of the churches that have ever been served by a Thompson or uh, a Robinson. There's one young Robinson still now. I can't think of his name. I think he's in the the Detroit area. The two layman ministers are now deceased. And my father's mother was a layman. So um, that's that's her church or his church. And in fact, the uh, church was a historic, the National Historic Society made it out of the church. I think it was in 1980. So home church is still there. I've been there three times. And in fact, we've had reunions there three times. And that's one of the important things. We have all the families Lutheran. There are a few who marry and go other denominations because of marriage, but then basically they still come back together for family reunions. And we've had two that I know of in that I've been able to attend in Mansura, Louisiana which is up north. It's in the Boyles Parish, and that's near Alexandria. And the first one was 1923, that you had all these family members that ended up all being Lutheran. So that's daddy's side of the family. My mother's side of the family, her grandmother was a member of Grace Lutheran Church in Concord, North Carolina. And I was reading something one day about when uh, they were going to the Negro churches or trying to establish them, they had to learn things in German. 
And you, you read it and you say, yeah, okay, all right, that's fine. But then you talk to you, I talked to my great grandmother as in her later years, and she learned Luther's catechism in German. In German? She said, yeah. They, they wanted them in the true language. So growing up, she was able to read and had to memorize Luther's catechism in German. Wow. I had problems in English. Being an only child and being a minister's kid, if daddy had a confirmation class that wasn't large, maybe only two or three students, maybe four at the most, then I had to attend the class. <laughs> and I'm not having any class where I have young ladies there, quote, unchaperoned. So you're going to be there. So I went through more confirmation classes than I care to talk about. <laughs> but again, on my great-grandmother's side, their church just celebrated their 141st anniversary. Oh, that's wonderful. You have so many yeah. stories and so many connections to different parts of uh, Lutheran history. Can you tell us more about your father's education training to be a pastor? He likes to pride himself saying that he did not go to a public school until he got his master's. He went through a Lutheran school all the way through from the one-room schoolhouse through middle high school, college, seminary, etc. He is a product of the Lutheran church, whereas my mother went to public school and then went to our religious school. I don't remember right now who the teacher was at his school. They had a one-room schoolhouse with a pot belly. And Pastor DeWitt Robinson and Pastor Harvey Lehman were the two who were responsible for stoking the fire in the morning before everybody got there. And they accidentally set the classroom on fire once, but you didn't hear that from me. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd like to learn a little bit more about the history of your family's education, especially your, your father's education going to Lutheran schools. Um, what do you know about the, the schools that he attended? It sounds like they were mostly in Louisiana. When he went to the high school and seminary, by then his parents had died. He was one of 10. He was number three. His uncle was Reverend Paul Lehman, also Reverend Harvey Lehman too, but Paul Lehman was his godfather. So when Uncle Paul accepted the call later to Greensboro, North Carolina. He took his nephew with him. So his two sons went into the military and became Tuskegee Airmen. And one retired as an Air Force person. But daddy was the one who followed his uncle in, in the ministry. So he went to school in Greensboro. And Greensboro had the high school and they had the uh, college and they had the seminary right there together. Plus he had his uncle there. He went straight through, and when he was there, most of the teachers were retired teachers from the St. Louis Seminary. And I'm not sure which other seminary they had worked at, but they wrote the book. So he had the real people there teaching him what they taught for years in the regular seminary. Later, when Uncle Paul left Greensboro, North Carolina, and came to California at St. Paul, Lutheran Church in L.A., daddy was left on campus. So he lived there his last couple of years in college and in the seminary. He lived on campus, and the relatives sent him money, but for the most part, he worked in a restaurant. So he can cook. Oh, he did cook. 
I'm glad you did because my mother couldn't cook at all. That was another story. <laughs> um, he worked, and by being on campus, the professors knew he was there, and a lot of times they would call him in and say, you need to know about this, or I found this out, or whatever. So actually, he had like two educations. He had the one in the regular classroom, and then he had the one where sometimes they would just call him in. So he was there for Christmas and other holidays where everybody else went home because he couldn't come out to California. It was too far. During the summer, they would send for him, but that was it. There was a student who came from Africa. He wanted to take back Christianity to his church. And he was in North Carolina, and he was struggling. And he, people said, be going over to those Lutherans. And he said, who? And they said, they're in Greensboro. Why don't you go over there? I heard they have money. So, make a long story short, he switched schools. He went to Greensboro. He started going to Emmanuel. And he and Daddy, of course, became good friends because he couldn't go back to Africa for holidays. So they became good friends. Also during this time, with their friendship, Daddy wanted to go back to Africa and be the first missionary from the United States in Africa. But governments-to-be would not allow him uh, a passport and would not allow him to go to Africa. They thought he might be a rebel rouser or instigator. They loved me until, if I remember correctly, 1980, that a black Lutheran minister was allowed to go to Africa. So from, we're talking about mid-40s until 1980, so 40 years, basically. When in, in his ministry later, he was in New York during World War II. He was also in Alabama. And I'm sure you've heard of Pastor Joe Lavallee. Joe Lavallee was one of the, the sons of St. Paul in Mansura. They were both in Alabama doing ministry. When Rosa Young was establishing all these churches, they needed ministers. They had these young ministers doing the circuits in the afternoon, in morning and afternoon. So they lived together, and they shared a car on how they would do all these circuits of all these little churches in rural areas of Alabama. I will tell one story that Daddy said frightened him for the rest of his life. He was preaching one afternoon, and the gush, the field started raising up and blowing, and then they heard uh, a vehicle approaching or vehicles approaching. And the uh, members looked out the window, and all of a sudden there were shotgun and rifles in the windows. So he says, just continued his sermon. He said, God wants it to happen, it will be. So he finished his sermon, and he said, maybe what was probably only about five minutes, but seemed like it was an hour. The shotguns and the rifles disappeared. And that vehicles went away. So he assumed that the Klan was in Alabama and had heard that they had a new preacher in the area. And he wanted to check him out. So evidently he passed. Hmm. He went from New York to Alabama. While he was in Alabama, he happened to be at Selma. So he knew Rosa Young. And he... He, they let him teach high school courses. I can't think of the father's name, but Prentice, the pastor up in Chicago, 
He has the Dutch church. He taught his own baby brother, Martin, and he taught this guy named Richard Dickinson, who at that time was in Alabama and was skinny. So Danny taught Richard. It was just interesting that they had gone to the high school in Soma. He taught them. Then later, he ended up back in North Carolina at Winston-Salem, which was my mother's home congregation. And the, the story goes, she didn't care if they had a new Lutheran minister. She liked Reverend Hunt, who at that time was probably in his late 50s or 60s, but had moved on. My grandmother was the organist, so it seems that he would go over on Sunday afternoon to talk over the hymns for the next Sunday, and they would invite him to dinner, whether my mother was there or not. So eventually he wore it down. So the story goes that my grandfather said, she's a nice Christian girl, she loves kids, but she can't cook. <laughs> and he said, that's okay, because I can cook. And that's true. Mama, Mama didn't cook her first turkey until maybe 40 years ago. She didn't cook. He, Daddy cooked. And, oh, I'm, we're glad he did. Rosie Young and her ministry and getting other churches going and people excited about the, the church in Alabama going forth. Yes, those ministers went out. Those families went out. Now, where do they stay? When they go out, you might have heard of the Green Book. The Green Book was a book that was written similar to one like AAA would put out that had places you could stay that were hotels, houses, where people would put you up when you came to town. And they, they would write. Well, if you're a poor, not poor, but poor Lutheran minister coming through town, where do you stay? You find another poor Lutheran minister. So we had a lot of house death yeah. coming in and out, which was great for me because I was the only child. So if you're going anywhere from Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, that area, and you are going north toward D.C., New York, you know, that area, we had visitors, you know, a couple of times a month, somebody would come through. It might be just for a restaurant visit and a meal, or it might be for a nap, or it might be overnight. I enjoyed the overnights because then we got to, I got to sleep on the floor with the kid. There were no places to stay because most most places in the 50s were still segregated. There were a lot of them. Yeah. So you had to know the other ministers. So that's how a lot of ministers I know because they spent the night at the house and they stayed until breakfast. We talked about Richard Dickinson now, but Moses Dickinson, the older brother, was in North Carolina, then in Chicago. And when we lived in Illinois, he would come down for a day or two just to visit us there to get away from Chicago. He also bat baptized me. So I knew him better than I knew the, the younger brother, Richard. But again, it was one of those things. You had no other place to stay. So you stayed, you stayed at the minister's house. Now, I don't know if the minister was as close as they were then, because most times they you can get a hotel, a motel. In fact, I'm looking here. I'm in Carson, which is lower part of L.A. County. I'm basically in Long Beach. Here, if ministers come to town, there's so many hotels and motels around, nobody spends the night at your house anymore. Or they invite you to the hotel for breakfast the next day. I think that closeness has gone uh, away where you don't have it anymore. And then we moved, then after we were in Illinois, 
Dad accepted a call here to Compton, California. Uncle Paul, who was Dad's godfather, ended up being the pastor here at St. Paul Lutheran Church in L.A. And after he died, his brother Harvey ended up being the pastor there. While he was there, the church in Compton became vacant. And one of the members said, hey, don't you have a brother or cousin that's a minister? And it ended up being daddy. So the church in Compton said, Dad, the call. So we've been here now 56 years. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Joining us today, Mrs. Cherie Laurent Blair. She has a family history in LCMS Black Ministry. As a pastor's kid, what memories do you have of your father's care for his congregation? Congregation was first. I didn't understand it until basically daddy was almost dying. There were parades I wanted to go to. There were movies I wanted to go to. And if a church member called, daddy went to the church member. But I wanted to go to the parade. Church member comes first. There were times where mom and I had to walk to school because somebody was in the hospital overnight and he was still at the hospital. Now, the school wasn't that far away, but I didn't like walking to school. Or if my grandfather wasn't around, he couldn't take us to school. That happened in North Carolina. In Illinois, we had one young guy who kept having accidents. And daddy kept going to the hospital in the middle of the night because they thought he was going to die from all of his accidents. So that part was like, it's a bummer. There were times where I didn't realize later that we did not go out of town for vacation. We stayed in town. Now, one when we lived in Illinois, we always went back to North Carolina. That was, a, that was a given, except one year we came here to California to visit his relatives. But for the most part, we, we always went somewhere. Then occasionally when you would have a church member that was touch and go and the doctors weren't sure what was going to happen, somehow mysteriously we stayed in town or we stayed in the area. We'd do day trips. So church members came first. So you kind of resent it, especially if you're an only child. Mama was there, but Mama didn't drive. So it didn't matter if she was there and she wanted to go too, but because we were both home, stuck. So that part of being a preacher's kid, but listening to him minister to people sitting in that living room on that hard sofa, not trying to, not trying to tear up anything, just sitting there. I heard a lot and I learned a lot. And it wasn't until later when I got out of the chauffeuring him around routine and my son took it over, he was staying the same thing. He said, you know, 
Daddy has a way about it that calms people down. I said, yeah, I know. I said, except me. He said, yeah, I know that. But he he was very good in, in talking to people and counseling them and telling them what was the practical way to do. In fact, one member here, the little boy had leukemia and died at 11. And the mortuary, everybody else was telling the mother, you know, you got to get him this suit. You got to get this casket. You got to do this. And he told her, he said, he was here when he was alive at the church. Every time the church was open, Johnny was there. He said, I'd come by sometime on Saturday and he'd be riding his bike. He'd come by, pass, is there anything I can help you do? Dad would say, no, you know, go, go finish playing. So dad said, no, get a plain coffin. You don't need to put that money in the ground. And he said he was in the choir. So dad said, bury him in his choir robe. So he was, he was buried in his choir robe. It wasn't until later when uh, dad got sick and he died, when we were going to the mortuary, that it kicked in. Hey, remember what daddy said about this? You remember what daddy said? And it was like, okay. So we had a good time teasing the morticians when they were trying to pressure us with stuff. We said, nope, nope. So it, 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 it took the pressure off of us. For daddy's funeral, we had Pastor McDaniels, and I think you know him. Mm-hmm. And then for mama's funeral, we had Pastor S.D. Williams. So we had capable ministers who could have helped us, and they did. But there was certain things that just because daddy had told us, we knew what to do from just sitting there. You have so many stories about how your dad was able to serve in the church. How did your dad's ministry fit into the work that was being done in in other areas of of Black Lutheranism across the United States at that time? He would talk to the other pastors. He believed in the blue hymnal at that time. He had a traditional Lutheran service. You start on page five and you go all the way up and 15 was the communion service. He was very conservative by having instructors who were very strict and knowing German, he was strictly Missouri Senate. With just a couple minutes left, who were some of the key figures from history in LCMS Black Ministry that you remember maybe your father talking about or that you remember hearing about during that second 50 years of LCMS Black Ministry? Pastor Clem Shabern, who had been in New York, Pastor Joe Lavallee, who was in Philadelphia, at St. Philip, Moses Dickinson in Chicago, his little brother, Richard Dickinson, who else was it? DeWitt Robinson, who was in Memphis, one of the Thompson, I uh, can't remember which one, in Detroit. There were key pastors all over, and they all knew each other, and they worked together. They would meet periodically together to figure out how they could improve their churches and their work among people. How do you see your dad's legacy with all of these other men who serve the church really well? Well, dad's legacy. Uh, he has a street named after him. When he came here to California, he was on the board for Concordia Irvine when it was Christ College. He was on the original Christ College board for the feasibility of starting a new Lutheran school in Orange County. He was on the board to establish the junior college in East St. Louis. Education was his thing on the other side. He wanted to make sure that people learned and that it was reasonable. When he was in Compton for his church, his thing was you have to be involved. So he was on Model City's board. He was on boards for helping to set up the first paramedics 
and they, he helped do the first interview. He was on the advisory board for the mayor. His thing was, if you're, if you're living in a place, you have to be involved. Our last question for today, from the, the 1920s to the 1970s, what would you say are some of the most significant developments in Lutheran Black ministry for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? Wow. I would say that probably that Black ministry is not alone anymore and that other people are accepting it and other people are trying to help make other people, make all Lutherans aware of it. I remember I was on a task force and they were starting Hispanic ministry. And I thought that was good because I was living in California. And there were, of course, there are a lot of Hispanics here. When we lived in Illinois, we had the youth group doing, we are one in the spirit. And we did that with the other churches. Gradually, we got together to do that with the other churches. And their young people and our young people, uh, we got to know each other. And that's what we need more of is that we just need more young people to get involved uh, and for all of us to try to make it a better world, period. Our guest today, Ms. Cherie Laurent Blair, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing uh, this great history with us for LCMS Black Ministry. Thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Well, thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to kfuo.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to kfuo.org slash store.